Amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank God for his goodness. Let's thank our worship team today. Thank you, guys. That was awesome. Appreciate you. And everyone else that's serving today, thank you so much. Well, good morning, everyone. As we heard just from Des today about, obviously, Thursday restrictions will be lifted. But please, if you still feel that you, you need to wear a mask on, on Sundays when you come, please don't feel like sort of intimidated. You do that. But if those of you that you want, you don't want to wear a mask, that's also fine as the restrictions are lifted. But, you, you know, just please do whatever you are um, convinced about in your own life. And so, so there's no pressure one way or the other. But, you know, restrictions will be lifted. And so, therefore, now there is no law of wearing a mask. But please um, make sure that you do what you feel comfortable with. So, God bless you. Welcome to you online, too. We are going to talk about um, a real important subject on your, um, one of your prayer days is about flourishing relationships. And there was many things that you can talk about, about relationships, about one of the things that, that will actually um, not allow you to flourish in your relationship is actually holding um, unforgiveness in your life. I could have spoken about um, how you need to forgive people even when they've hurt you, that if you allow that unforgiveness in your heart, it will not allow your relationship to, to flourish, first of all, with God and then with other people. So we could have spoke about that. But there was one thing I needed to um, think about, pray about, and it's been um, over my mind, and it's from 1 Corinthians 15. It says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. And so if this is true, then wrong friendships and relationships in our lives has the potential to hijack our potential and future purpose in God. The bad can influence the good. When Paul wrote this to the church, he was particularly talking about protecting the gospel, the word of God, not allowing others to corrupt or discourage that in our lives. We have a, a battle today following Jesus. It's not so much about protecting our ministry, but it's about protecting the word of God, the truth, the promises of God over our lives. And you know, we can get talked out of God's best for our lives. It's important who you have around your life that will help you for your relationships to flourish. So Paul was talking about not allowing people to um, throw doubt on Christ, his death and his resurrection. There were um, people who were anti-resurrection and they were trying to cause discord and so wrong teaching into the life of this church. And so Paul says, look, bad company, those people that don't believe the death and resurrection of Jesus, if you, you hang around them long enough, they'll contaminate your walk with God and then you'll be not actually flourishing in your relationship. The Message Bible says, don't let yourself be poisoned by this anti-resurrection loose talk. Bad company ruins good manners. I want to tell you that in your life today that you know, no matter how much you believe God, no matter how much faith that you have, the company that you actually are around with will either help you fulfill God's purpose or not. And so you need to look at the relationships in your life. Now look, we cannot just abandon, abandon our family relationships or our relationships, but we can navigate what influence they have in our life as a Christian. 
So we don't have to fall out with anybody, but we can actually manage what we take in and also who we allow into um, our spiritual life with God. So if we have to guard against the kind of relationships, what are the relationships that we need to make sure that we have got in our lives? Now, I've just picked four kinds of people or relationships that I think is really important. Now, there's loads of others, but if we can just manage with these um, three in particular of people, the first one that's the, the most important relationship that you've got to keep connected to is your relationship with Jesus. So your first priority is that if you hang around with God a lot more, then you'll get better results. It's really important that if we are actually going to um, allow our relationship to flourish, then you cannot neglect your relationship with God. You can't neglect your relationship in the Word of God. That's how we get to know Him and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So if you're neglecting that relationship, everything else in your life will not actually flourish. Let me read you from the Word of God. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step or keeping step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but who delights in the law of God and who meditates it on it day and night. That person, verse 3, is like a tree. What person? The person who hangs around in God's Word. The person that actually connects with Jesus on a daily basis and feed themselves with the truth of God's word. That person, he says, is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season whose leaf does not wither whether they do and whatever they do prospers. What a promise from God. If you disconnect your relationship with Jesus and don't care who you're surrounded with, you're not going to flourish. Because actually, Jesus says, for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep, laid the foundation on a rock. And when the floods came, the the torrent struck the house. It could not shake it because it was well built. You see, our relationship with God is the make or break of our walk with God. If we're neglecting the word of God in our lives, renewing our minds, because I don't know about you, but I forget lots of things. And so we have to keep reading the word every day to keep washing our brains out, washing the stuff that we allow in from colleagues and friends and the TV and social media. And we, you know, when they came in the tabernacle before they came into the presence of God, there was a a, a, a lather with mirrors in it and and they used to wash themselves before they went into the presence of God. And that represents the Word of God. The Word of God washes us. It's a mirror. It reflects who God is and what we need to do. And so our relationship with God is primarily important for you online and you in here. It's so vital that we can, you know, Jesus, give us this day our daily bread. Look, you can't live off yesterday's reading. You have to apply the Word of God daily. You you know, you eat daily and that is applying to the Word of God in your life. And so your first relationship is your relationship with God. Jesus said in John 15, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So the promise of a flourishing relationship has to come out, first of all, from your relationship with Jesus. Time in his word, time in worship, time in his presence, listening to his voice and allowing him to renew our minds and refresh our lives. So once we we keep that intact, our relationship with God, 
then it's, it's the others and then we have to make sure that we've got the right kind of people in our lives. You know, it's interesting that just that on its own will not allow you to fulfill God's purpose for your life. Just you and God and nobody else involved in your life will not cut it. I've heard people say, oh, you know, I don't need the church. That's not true. You cannot fulfill God's commandments without other people being involved. How are you going to love one another if you're on your own? If you're just you in your Bible? So what I'm saying to you is, love God with all your heart, but the next thing is love your neighbor as yourself. So we're going to need people to help us. And all through Scripture, we can see that that the people of God can get robbed hanging around with the wrong kind of people or be blessed hanging around the right kind of people. So, so you have to make sure that you've got both going together. And as I'm talking to you, I'm hoping that you're evaluating who, who you're allowing in your life. Okay? And I'm not saying that some people you can't get rid of. You have to love them and pray for them. But who are you allowing to influence your life? That's proper, a better word. Who, who are you taking on board that's steering your decisions, that's sowing seeds in your life that you are making your choices of how you go forward? Because if you listen to the wrong kind of voices and influence, your relationship with God will not flourish. Your purpose will not actually come to pass in your life, and I'll prove from Scripture. And so when you see in the New Testament, it all the way through is warning us about the kind of people that we hang around with. Jesus said to the disciples, he said, leave the religious leaders, the Pharisees. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both of you will fall into a pit. He's saying, you hang around with these religious lot for so long, the only thing you're going to end up is in a pit because they can't even see themselves where they're going. So if you're asking you to follow, to follow them, you're going to end up, both of you, in a pit because they can't see the light. So keep away from these people. Leave them. The Apostle Paul says in Acts 20, I know after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men and women will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw you away after them to make them disciples after themselves. So be on your guard. Not, ev not everybody who sits in church actually has got the right motive to help you grow in God. Some people have got their own agenda. I know over the years of ministry, people have joined our church and ended up taking people out to start their own ministry. Now, you know what? God bless them. They can do that. But the thing is, the motive wasn't actually to come and help the church vision. It was actually to fulfill their own purpose. And they actually took people away. And some of these people now actually will not fulfill the purpose of God because actually the foundation was not right. So you have to be careful who you're listening to. Galatians says, in Galatians 5, you are running a good race. Who cut in on you? Was not talking about the devil. He's talking about people. He said, who, who cut in on you and stop you from obeying the truth? Somebody talked you out of following Jesus. Somebody talked you out of obeying his word above their word. Somebody deceived you, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who called you. So you have to be on your guard. A little yeast works for the whole batch of dough. And so, you know, you, we are not to be gullible, just taking everybody's word as, oh, that's God's word to my life. You have to be like the Bereans where you 
look the word to yourself and make sure it's actually according to the word of God, not to somebody else's agenda. And, and what input am I getting? Does it help me to grow in God or does it help me or do they want me to help them in their vision and purpose for their own life? You have to be very careful. Rick Warren explains, God wants you to love everyone, show kindness to everyone, and to be able to help everyone. He said, if you don't have any non-Christian friends, you won't, be able, you won't be around anyone who needs to hear about the good news. So I can understand that. But, you know, some of your best friends should be Christians. Because only those that know the Lord can encourage you in the Lord. You, have made, you may have some loyal friends that are not saved and they may be better than Christians, but they don't know Jesus. So how are they going to encourage you in the Lord? So, so if you've got some good friends, make sure one of them is on fire for God. Make sure someone's living out for God because that's the person that's going to help you fulfill your dreams in Jesus. And so you have to get them. They should be strong believers, he says. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit of the living God, we cheer each other on. And we, we rejuvenate us back in from the world into the world to be strong for Jesus. The world will wear us down and we do need our best friends, be brothers and sisters in Christ, who will help us rally us back to fill our tank and to get us back out for God. So I want to ask you, who, who is it that helps you fill your tank in Jesus? I'm not on about who helps you fill your bank balance and give you seminars about how to make money. That's great. Praise God. Keep doing it. Not, not really bothered about all, everything else. Who is it in your life that will come alongside you and help you fill your tank, help you fulfilling what God wants for your life? Because they're the kind of people I like gold. They don't come along every often. And if you've got some of them, you need to cherish them so much in your life because we want to be that kind of person too. I want to be a cheerleader for somebody else's walk with God. I want to make sure that they get loads of opportunity to fulfill God's purpose in their life. And we need that kind of people in our life. So let me talk to you about three relationships, four relationships. It's really important. I'm going to go really quick. Do you want to hear them? Number one, you have to get somebody around your life that will believe God a little bit bigger than you. I remember I used to leave school at I never used to go, I mean, this is a terrible confession, but I hated school. I used to get really tormented at school. I hated it. So I used to go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I used to have Thursday and Friday off, but I didn't tell my mum and dad. I used to go to the snooker hall uh, in Blackpool. I was 14. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm not going Thursday, I'm playing snooker. And uh, one of the guys there used to work in Fleetwood, that's near a little town near Blackpool, and he used to be a fishmonger. But he was really good at snooker. He was a coach at snooker. And he used to actually coach Steve Davis before he hit all the world champions. So he, Steve Davis used to come to the snooker when I was 14. And this guy somehow took a liking to me. He realized that I wagged school to play snooker. And I was quite good at potting the balls. And he said to me, Jason, if you had brains, you'd be great at snooker. He said, but I want you to know that you'll never get better if you don't get around somebody else that's better than you. So he said, what I want you to do, I want you to come when this person comes, Steve Davis, and I want you to help take the balls out when he pots them because I'm coaching him. And there'll be other people that will come and there was all the names that you could think of that come to this place called the Commonwealth Snooker Club. It's no longer there. And I would go there and I would watch them play. And do you know something? They got better only because I was around somebody that was better than me. 
And if you're going to grow in God, you have to get around someone that's at least one step further than you are. Because if not, you're going to stay at the same level of your growth. If you hang around people that probably you're a bit further than them. But you've got to get somebody over your life just who can see God a little bit bigger than you. They've proven their life in God. They're, they're still committed to the purpose. They've been tested over a long period of time. They've been through the good, the bad, and the ugly. And they still have stories about yesterday and today, and they still believe in God for tomorrow. That, that's the kind of people that we need, we need to find. If it's in a book, or it's on TV, or it's in the church, you've got to find somebody that's going to stretch you, provoke you, and push you into places that you've never been before to help you develop and grow. If you don't do that, you will not grow in your life. And so if you look through the scripture, get around the wrong kind of people, those who are not, then you're going to lose out on inheritances and blessings and promises of God. Numbers is is a, a prime example of that. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. So God said, I'm giving you this land. That's the promise. I'm giving it you. Go and send some people out to go and have a look and bring back a report and then tell the whole community that the promise is ready, I'm giving it to you, to go cross over. So they went out and they came back. There's 12 spies. When they went into the land, they said, we went out to the land that you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. They brought back the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. But then Caleb silenced him and says, yeah, but we can do this. It's God said, we can take it. Come on, we should go up. And they try to stone him. And then they said this, but the men who had gone up there said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. A bad report lost a million people their inheritance They all died in the wilderness because they listened to the wrong person. Isn't that sobering? That you can be talked out your future in God by somebody who lives below the level that they need to live in fear, not believing God for their future. They spread a bad report. And this is the reason all the people we saw there are of great size. And this is what it says. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. See, these people did not have a proper identity who they were in Jesus. Intimidated by what they saw in the external, they didn't know that God gave them the land and they talked out a million people of the inheritance. Only two people, Caleb and Joshua, who believed God, entered out of all those people the land. If that is not an example that you can get robbed out of your future because you listen to the wrong person, that's a wake-up call for us. So I want people around my life that can see God a little bit more than I can. And so when we look at the, the passage in Elisha, When the servant man came out and got up and went early in the morning, an army and the horses and chariots surrounded the city. And the servant said, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed, open his eyes, Lord, 
that he may see. See, we need people around us that can see things a little bit further than we can, believe God a little bit bigger than we can, and ask God to help us see what we can see and believe for. And when God opened his eyes, it was amazing that faith hit his heart and he continued to see the purpose of God in our lives. I want to say to you today, maybe you woke up this morning and you looked out your window and you're full of fear, full of anxiety, wondering what, how you're going to get through. I want to tell you that don't worry about God has got it covered. Hallelujah. God has got it covered for you. Let me tell you, whatever it is that's surrounding you right now, God is surrounding the problem because he's the answer. So we've always got to get around someone that can see a little bit further than us and see God a little bit bigger than we can see. Because we're all going to be in a time of a pit where we need somebody that can see what we can't see in God. So number one, get somebody around you that is just one step before you and see God a little bit more than you can in your life. Number two, get people around you who believe in you as a person. Believe in you. When David was about to kill Goliath, he went to look at the battle, taking sandwiches to his brother. And there he heard the conversation about this Philistine Goliath mocking the people of God day in and day out. And he said, he heard the conversation, whoever slays him is going to get the king's daughter, money. He said, just a minute, what is it that whoever slays this giant... Who's, what are they going to get? And his brother, his older brother, Eliab, was there. And he said, hey, hold on a minute. Who do you, why are you always asking that question? He says that he was full of anger. Why are you asking that question? I know why you've come down here, David. You've come down here just to watch the battle. You, you should be back with those few little sheep. Who've you and he intimidated his younger brother, who had the faith to kill Goliath. He didn't need that around his life. Because David, if he had took that on board, he would have been disheartened and gone back to his dad. But the Bible says he turned away from him and talked to somebody else about what would be the reward. And then next minute he kills Goliath. You see, when, when, when Mary was visited by the angel and said that you're going to be with child, the first thing that she does is run to Elizabeth, who is six months in front of her, pregnant herself by God. Somebody a little bit further than she is. And as soon as Elizabeth, an older woman, looks at Mary, she went, blessed are you, Mary. You see, she began to encourage the dream. She began to encourage her purpose in her life. Blessed are you, she said, among women. And blessed are the child that you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby wept in my womb. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fill his promises in her life. You see, you have to get people around you that will believe in you even though you don't believe in yourself. Because I'll tell you sometimes, a lot of the times you don't believe in yourself. But you've got to get somebody that identifies the call and the dream in your life and go, do you know something? I see it in you. I, I identify in my spirit. And these kind of people are not intimidated people. Because if, if you get people who always want to prove their ministry, they can't affirm anybody else's ministry because they're too concerned about their own. And so these kind of people are, are, are actually nothing to prove. They're following God. They've done it, God. They give glory to God. And all they want to do is they want to make sure that you will fulfill the purpose of God in your life. It's not about 
what you can do for me, but it's what I can do for you. It gives them opportunity. It gives them opportunity to grow in their lives. And that's the kind of people that we want to get. You know, when Timothy was starting out in ministry, he had this kind of person over his life, the Apostle Paul. And he says, listen, Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in, in, in speech, in conduct, and in love, in faith and in purity. Until I come, Timothy, devote yourself to the public reading of scriptures, to preaching and teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given to you by the prophecy when the body of elders laid their hand on you. See, he reminds him when he's down with the pressure of pastoral ministry that God's called you. Don't neglect your gift. Keep preaching. Don't let people look down on you. And he did that encouragement to keep his ministry going in his life. And we need that in our lives. 2 Timothy 6, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. I wonder if you're sitting in this church today online and you've been serving God and somebody's in on you, something's happened and you've laid your gift down and you're no longer serving the Lord. And what you need in your life now, along with the Holy Spirit's moving in your heart, is someone saying to you, come on, do not neglect your gift. Fan into flame the gift of God which you know God's put in your life. Don't sit there forever living on what has happened to you from somebody else. But come on, let that go and get back into what God's placed on your life to serve him. Don't allow your past to rob you of your future. For the spirit that God has given you does not make you timid but has given us power, love, and self-discipline. You know, even Jonathan needed encouragement to follow Jesus. Uh, yeah, follow Jesus, really, because he was following the Lord. And he said, you know what? I think I'm going to have a go at these Philistines. And, and his armor bearer said to him, okay, do all you have in mind. Go ahead. I'm with you, heart and soul. So all he needed was somebody to say, come on then, I'm with you. Whatever's in your heart, we're going to go for it. And they conquered. And they took land where his dad couldn't. And they led the Israelites into battle. All because of somebody saying, come on, you can do it. Flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. Encourage me and I will not forget you. We've got to encourage one another with the purpose of God on our lives. And I want to encourage you today that you need to get back doing what God's called you to do. You've got to just get rid of all the negative stuff, maybe talked out of something, may have done wrong to you. Come on, you've still got life left. You've still got the best years ahead. The best wine is at last, remember that. And God can actually restore the years the locusts have eaten. He's a redeeming God. He can do amazing things in your life. And the third person got two more and I'm done. The third person, this, I, would, I would say that this is the most important friend you can have in your life. It's called the honest friend. And do you know what? 50% of you in online haven't got one of them. My prayer is that you'll get an honest friend. I'm not talking about those that flatter you. 
I'm those that will talk the truth to you when you need it out of love. And you don't get many of them. I have got some of them in my life. Not a lot. One or two people. One's Linda. <laughs> Saved my bacon many times. Spoke truth from the And I've got another two good friends that will pull me up and speak the truth, whether I like it or not, but will save my life and ministry and maybe even marriage if that was the case. I'm asking you, this is this person in your life. You see, Moses would never have fulfilled ministry without his father-in-law speaking truth to him. What you're doing is not good. So we want the encouragement, come on, you can do it, but then we also want the truthful friends because we've got loads of blind spots that none of us can see. And if you don't, if you're not, look, we're all insecure, okay? And none of us like the light shining on some of our areas of our life. It's very uncomfortable, all right? I don't believe there's anyone that will say, bring it on, tell me what you like, and I can, no. There's a journey, but you, so you've got to trust the people around that will do that. You've got to know they love you enough to tell you the truth that they will be with you through thick and thing. You've got, you've got, you know, you're not going to get people telling you about your life because they can't stand you. You don't want to listen to that voice, okay? But, you, you, but let me tell you, these kind of people will probably um, resist telling you the truth because they love you so much that it hurts them to tell you about what they see in your life. But, but Moses' father-in-law loved him enough that if he didn't tell him what he saw, the truth, his ministry would have been over. What you're doing is not good. So if you listen to me, you and these people will not wear yourself out and everybody will go on happy if you read the story. So Moses would say, but then we go to somebody else because this is, this is helping us to understand that not one of us can go it alone without somebody being truthful in our lives. King David was an amazing man of God, unbelievable, but he got deceived with sin. He committed adultery, committed a murder, and he still continued as king as nothing, nothing happened. And then God said, I can't get his attention. This is a really important story, guys. God said to the prophet, Nathan, I can't get his attention because he's not listening to me. This is God speaking to the prophet. So I think you need to go and tell him. You need to go and point out the error of his deception because I'm going to kill him. Ministry's over, life's over. I'm not going to tolerate adultery and murder and like nothing's happened. So Nathan goes and says, David, can I have a talk to you? I want to just tell you about what's happened. The, there was two people, one is poor, one is rich. And uh, let me read the story. So there was two men in, in a certain town, one rich and one poor. The other man had a very large number of sheep and cattle. But the poor man had nothing except a little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, grew it up with him and his children. Oh, it really gets soppy, this, doesn't it? He shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. David's gone, oh my goodness. Tears coming out of his eyes. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep of cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead... He took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David said, I cannot believe that. That man, says David burned with anger against the man that said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, that man who did that must die. And Nathan said, 
David, really sorry to tell you, but you're the man. Isn't it amazing how we can get so deceived that we can judge somebody else but never look at our own lives? And Nathan said, your response right now, I can imagine it. I don't know if it's in the scripture, but David's response to this rebuke was life or death. And I tell you, give credit to David, he repented. He lost his child, but he saved his own life and the future. You see, if Nathan wasn't his friend and loved him enough to go and have this hard conversation, not sure we would have a lot of history in David's life. You see, you have to have a truthful friend in your life. These kind of friends are worth gold. So important because they are called your life savers. You know, the Apostle Paul, I'm nearly finished. The Apostle Paul saw Peter, this amazing best preacher in the New Testament. 3,000 got saved. Shadow, people getting healed. Amazing. Oh, can't touch the Lord's anointed. Can't go and tell him about his life. No, not really. So he saw him mixing with the Gentiles and the Jewish brothers came and then he shunned the Jews, the Gentiles and went with his mates, the Jews. Hypocrite. Paul saw this and he went up to him and he said, I confronted him to his face that you're a hypocrite, that you one minute with the Gentiles but when the Jews come, you just want to shun them and you want to live a different kind of life. And this is what he says, listen to me. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? When they see our lives not living according to the Bible, they will come to you and confront you. If you haven't got those people in your life, I actually don't think you will get the best out of God and his purpose. Because most of the time we'll just live in deception and think that nothing's wrong with me. And yet there are people around our lives that if they had the bottle, they'd come and speak the truth to you in love and your life could flourish. I know it's difficult. I know it's painful. But it's so important. Do you know Moses would have been dead now if it wasn't for his wife applying the Bible to her son? Did you know that? So God gave Abraham a new covenant of circumcision. And Moses was arguing with God about delivering the people and he could tolerate Moses with not going, but eventually he got him to go. And he's on a journey to get the people out of Egypt. And just in a few chapters later down the line, he's about to stand up at the first Passover and begin to teach the people about circumcision. But here's the problem. He didn't apply it to his own son. And God was really angry. 
And Sephora, his wife, understood the covenant, took a knife and circumcised a son and placed it on Moses' foot. And it was painful for his, his wife to do that. She applied the word of God to Moses' life because in a few seasons down the road, he was going to have to stand up and teach about people being circumcised. But if he would not have applied it to his own life, he would not have been able to fulfill his ministry. And the Bible says, and God did not kill him. She saved his bacon. But Jews don't eat bacon, so sorry. Bad joke, Lee. Are you ready for the last one? Because I know you're looking a bit shocked now. You know, there's one thing that we won't do as a church. We won't compromise preaching the Bible to you. Not going to do it. Because it will save your life if we honour the word. The last person and friend that you need in your life, and the most, I would say, probably the most important, is yourself. Because you can be your worst enemy or your best friend. Do you know you can talk yourself out of the purpose of God more than anyone else? Did you know that? Do you know you talk to yourself most all the time? You are talking to yourself right now as I'm preaching. You've talked to yourself all the way through this sermon. Some of you have disagreed. Some of you have not liked what I've said. Some of you are trying to make excuses. You have talked yourself either into God's purpose or out of it. I didn't agree with that. I don't believe in that. Don't, I'm not having that. All because you've had a conversation with yourself and you've either said yes to God or yes to you. And that is one of the problems in our lives. What we have to do, folks, is that we cannot rely on the conversations that sometimes we bring to ourselves. Gideon had a wrong perception of himself and God and at times we have to align our thinking to God's word. Because circumstances will come into our life and we will, we will make God something that he's not because he's not, we've not experienced what we've been taught over years of what he should do. And what I mean by that is that when we experience God's healing, then he's our healer. When we don't experience God's healing, we wonder whether he heals anymore. When we get God's provision in our life, we call him our provider. But when we're going through a desert time, we don't know if God's going to come up or not. We then begin to bring God down to our experience and we say, I wonder if, does God love me anymore? So we're conditioned by our experiences in life, not on the word of God and God's character. And so what we have to do when we're talking to ourselves is that we have to remind ourselves not so much about the circumstances, but about who God is according to the word of God. And that should be our final discussion with ourselves. <coughs> Lamentations 3, two passages and I'm done. This is what Jeremiah said. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in dust. I've been deprived of peace. I've forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I have hoped for from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wanderings, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them and my soul is downcast 
within me. And many of us, when life hits us, we stop there. And that's all we remember. And that's all we talk to ourselves about. But Jeremiah realised something, that if he stopped there, he would die. And he had to change his thinking and get his mind off his circumstances and his life experiences and put them on the character and the promises of God. And the next verse he says, Yet this I call to mind. I therefore have hope because of the Lord's great love. We are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Listen, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Jeremiah had to speak to himself had to be his best friend, not his worst enemy. I'm not putting down your circumstances. I'm not putting down your trials and your tribulations and your loss. But I want to tell you, don't allow that to diminish who God is and what He's done for you and His love for you. You cannot describe God because of your experience. God is God and He does not change. And His love for you is consistent, even though you've gone through pain and tears and loss, that God loves you. Habakkuk said, I heard, and my heart pounded, my lips quivered at the sound, decay crept into my bones, and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the Lord of calamity to come on the nations invading us. Then he says this, though the fig tree does not bud, and there is no grapes in the vines, though the olive crops fail and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. You see, self-talk is so important and I wonder if you've come to church today and you are your worst, best friend. And I want you to reverse it today because God is good. No matter that you've experienced bad, God is good because that's who He is. And if the Apostle Paul can go through tribulation, shipwreck, whippings, jail, torture, sleepless night, hunger, all the things that we would never be able to continue, how can he then say, but nothing can separate me from the love of God? Why? Because he didn't allow his circumstances to rob who God was in his life. Paul would say to you in all that you've gone through you need to align your thoughts on the character and the goodness of God and the way to do that is look back to the cross. If you feel that God loves you then you forgot about the cross. So the Apostle Paul would say what then shall we say in response to these things? 
If God is for us, who can be against us? Listen to the foundation of Paul. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not along with him graciously give us all things? See, I know some of you have been disappointed. Some of you have gone through hell. Some of you have questioned God and that's okay. God can take it. He's big enough. But what you cannot question is God's love for you. Because the cross has said it all. For God so loved you that He gave Jesus to set you free from sin so you can receive eternal life. Stand with me. Father, I pray right now, team, you can come on, no problem. Father, I pray right now that you will wash our minds. I pray, Lord, that you'll not allow the enemy to keep sowing the seeds of lies into our minds. Father, we promise that we we're not going to reduce you down to our experience. That you are God and you are good and you are for us and you work things all together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. You are working the bad, the ugly in our past for your purposes and your glory. We can't understand it. We can't fathom it because we're not God. But there's one thing we cannot doubt in person and online. No matter what you're facing right now, God loves you because He demonstrated His love for you on the cross. That seals the deal from the lies of the devil. God is working more behind your back than ever you can think of. God is always at work on your behalf. And sometimes, as followers of Christ, we can say things about God that's not true. We can blame Him for this, and we can blame Him for that, and we can ask Him for that, and wonder why this, and we, and we begin to say, God, and we begin to diminish who He is, but if He was in a court of law right now, the juries would say, not guilty. John 3.16 is the reason why we can say that. I declare over you today that whatever you've brought in church today about the God that you serve, what you've gone through right now, that He hurts more than you could ever think of that when you cry, He cries even more because you're His child. And even though we go through discipline, He does it because He loves us. And He's more committed to you than you are committed to Him. And one of the lies of the enemy and that we believe that God no longer loves you, cares for you, and that is not true. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill our hearts right now? Would you bring these kind of relationships into our world? 
Would you allow us to open a heart to be encouraged? Would you allow us to be bold enough for someone to speak truthfully to us? Would you bring people into our life and can take us a little bit further than we are ourselves? And Lord, above all, as we come to a close right now, would you help us to be our best friend and not our worst enemy? Lord, would you renew minds right now? Would you let the Word of God wash over us? In the name of Jesus.